2: Hello and welcome to Bad Manners. This is the podcast that takes you inside Britain's stately homes and tells all the tales the guidebooks don't. My name is Tom Horton and I'll be your host. As a comedian, I'm not really bothered about the facts and figures. I just want the juicy stuff. So I'm on a mission to find out the frightening, filthy and downright jaw-dropping stories of these stately homes and the people in them. Welcome to the first episode of Bad Manners, a podcast about the UK's most interesting properties and all the scandals that go on behind the scenes. In case you didn't know, I lived in the Tower of London for six years. Yep, the actual Tower of London, and it turns out living in a historical palace slash prison is actually pretty bloody interesting. Who knew? That's why I've decided to travel around the country in search of the UK's most amazing abodes. As a comedian, I don't want to get bogged down in the boring details like dates and lineage and who the Earl of Whittington bequeathed his silverware to. I'm here for the historical razzmatazz. I want blood, guts, ghouls, ghosts and gossip. And what better place to start than my old gaff, the Tower of London? On the banks of the River Thames, the Tower of London was built by William the Conqueror in 1078. It started out as a royal residence, but was later used as a prison and has played a prominent role in English history. Blah, 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 blah. Boring! You can Google all that if you want. But what you want to know is what it's actually like to live there, with mad tourists, abusive ravens and crappy Wi-Fi. So, for this episode, what better guest to have on than current resident and ruling Queen of the Castle, Megan Clawson? She's an author, social media sensation, beef eater's daughter, and with her fiery red hair, could also be a stunt double for Elizabeth I, the girl from Brave. Or Mick Hucknall. <laughs> <laughs> Megan, it's delightful to have you here. I have assaulted you immediately. No. <laughs> well, it was two compliments and, a, and then a naughty one.
3: That's fine. I can deal with that.
2: You you get it a lot, <laughs> Megan, because I, I even I remember I started living at the Tower of London before you came in, mm. and then suddenly this fiery redhead started <laughs> cropping up. And, you, you know, you, you stand out from a crowd.
3: Yeah, I really couldn't, like, commit a crime or anything like that because no. there, there'd be no way that I would be able to be inconspicuous in any way. That's probably the worst thing about now having done the TikTok stuff is I can't just walk around the tower in my pyjamas because everybody instantly is like, oh, that's that red-headed girl.
2: Yeah, when I live there, I've got a more generic face and look, <laughs> so I can be a bit more inconspicuous whereas you do have, you do literally have a, a disney princess vibe about you <laughs> and so i can imagine walking day to day throughout the tower of london and there's there's literally thousands of people through the door every day you can't go anywhere in there surely <laughs> so let's talk the tower of london so when did you move in how long have you been there now
3: so my dad moved in the end of 2017 so i moved to london originally for university. So I spent the first two or so years in London in student digs. And then obviously lockdown happened. And I just said to myself, I was like, what on earth am I doing in this damp, disgusting flat that I'm sharing with five other people when my dad lives by himself in a castle? And so yeah, at that point in lockdown, I was like, I need a bit of extra support. So I'm going to go and live with my dad and see what what happens. And um, been a couple of years now.
2: It's actually quite well set up for a lockdown, the Tower. Yeah. Because not only is that that tiny little Tesco's Express just outside, (laughs) which I I used frequently Mm. there. And then um, the courtyard, obviously the grounds, the moat's very nice. I always thought it'd be really good for a zombie apocalypse as well.
3: Yeah, I always think about this, actually. I wouldn't want to be in central London for a zombie apocalypse unless I was in the Tower because you've got your suits of armour, you've got your pole arms, so you wouldn't even have to get very close to a zombie to... Mm -hmm dispose of it exactly and yeah you've got a load of beef eaters who have spent 20 odd years in the military who are a little bit scary so i would definitely want to be hiding behind them and the 30 and
2: 50 foot walls so yes, exactly. yeah. so. i would uh, i mean i don't i don't want to uh, badmouth any of the beef eaters though i would point out that i think some of them probably range in skill set physically <laughs> nowadays When did you first have the idea that you wanted to start doing videos for social media and stuff?
3: So I was making videos of my dog <laughs> for a very long time. Who is still a feature. Yes, she still, she still is a favourite. And uh, I can't now make a video without everybody going, where is Ethel? Mm-hmm. And then... My dad told me a story about a an exorcism that happened in one of the towers.
2: I mean, Megan, I can't now not get you to tell the story of the exorcism because <laughs> this is what the whole podcast's about. You can't just <laughs> dangle that carrot in front of my face and then just waltz on.
3: We have a tower called the Beecham Tower, and that was mostly where prisoners were held. Not if you were like the queens or whatever, if you were just like a regular person held in the Tower of London, there were cells in the Beecham Tower. And it's now full of graffiti from all of those years. And when the Victorians started dismantling other towers, they moved different blocks of graffiti into the Beecham Tower. But it's essentially one of the spookiest ones that we have anyway. And it's got these like really scary round stairs on it and um, there was reports for years and years of people either feeling like they were being pushed down those stairs or actually being pushed down the stairs. It got to the point where they were like we need to do something about this people are getting pushed down a flight of stairs. (laughs) And
2: it was a tourist attraction at this point, so they were like, we can't have this on our record. People were literally coming to see if they would get pushed down the (laughs) stairs themselves, queuing up, hey, maybe a poltergeist will shove you down these. (laughs) So they were like,
3: we can't have people being injured in like tourist attractions.
2: This pile of Spanish (laughs) teenagers at the bottom, all their lunch boxes spewing over.
3: Exactly. (laughs) So they ended up hiring like a medium, somebody to come and talk to whatever spirit was being, like, unsettled in the Beecham Tower. She ended up speaking and she got a response. She got this overwhelming feeling to walk towards this certain name that had been carved into the tower. She walked over to this name and found out that it was this man called Thomas and they did a little bit of digging and they found out that it was this man who had been held in the tower with some of his friends who had consequently been taken onto Tower Hill and executed. It turns out he died in the tower without ever having his punishment, essentially. So he'd been haunting the tower because he'd never been, like, freed of it. He'd never been emancipated. So they ended up getting one of the officers of the tower, I don't know if it was the constable or the governor or somebody like that, to formally dismiss him. Um, so, basically, well, so they had a whole like yeah, so, ceremony and So <laughs> the exorcism was The officers of the tower coming in So a person of importance in the tower With power to come in and Say look you've served your time You're free to go And there was supposedly a big Rush of wind down the stairs And nobody was ever pushed down those stairs again So yeah, that was the story that what that went viral for me first. And then from then on I was like I'm just going to tell the stories that they don't really tell
2: because there are so many good stories. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Have you got a favorite one?
3: I think Lord Nisdale is my favorite one. It's so Lord Nisdale who was a Scottish Jacobite in the first Jacobite rebellion and he was caught and held in the tower on a charge of treason and was set to be executed. And his wife, who he'd only married like literally just before he got arrested, came all the way down from Scotland by herself with just her ladies maids to petition the king for clemency to to get him freed and uh, the king refused and so she she went to visit him in the tower in his cell and she saw him and she tried to confuse the beef eater who was guarding him so her and her ladies maids would walk in and out of his cell several times so he didn't really know how many women were actually in there. And then one of the ladies' maids had under her skirts another set of women's clothing. So they, you can imagine where this story is yeah, going. Yeah, no, I can see where it's going, I love it. <laughs> they walked into to the tower, and they got this six-foot-something bearded Scottish man to dress in his ladies' maid's clothing. And they simply walked out past the beef eater on guard, and his wife said to him, saying, Oh, like he just needs a few minutes and he's really yeah, yeah, don't, don't, don't yeah. go in like he's, he's really, just praying he just wants to be on you know, his own yeah. yeah yeah
2: sure me and my bearded friend <laughs> <Yeah>. will leave <laughs> you don't know where the ladies room is <laughs> perchance. chance
3: <laughs> and he literally yeah this six foot something bearded Scottish man in this woman's dress walked out of the Tower of London just walked straight past all of the guards straight out the Tower of London and into hiding in Italy where he then died of old age yeah well done him
2: an impenetrable (laughs) fortress but turns out getting
0: out pretty easy open the doors please
3: the the joke with the beef eaters is that um, the beef eaters at the time just assumed that all Scottish women looked like that that's (laughs) a bit of a naughty one for you I get the feeling (laughs) that beef
2: eater might not have been the (laughs) best beef eater that the tower's ever seen Uh,
3: yeah I don't think he lasted very long no
2: I can imagine not (laughs) Besides mis your way out of the tower, there is also the other option of getting everyone very drunk, always out. And there's a guy called Bishop Flambard. Yes, yeah, so
3: he was one of the first prisoners in the tower. I, can't, I, I don't know the exact date, so I'm not that much of a historian, but he was one of the first prisoners. And at that point of the tower's history, it wasn't known as a prison. It was more a palace. So they didn't actually have any specific jail cells to hold him so instead they put him in the cellar of the white tower which also doubled up as the wine cellar and because at that stage the tower like if you had any money in the tower you were very well looked after so all throughout its history depending on how much you had in your pocket, depending on how well you were treated. So you could pay to have a servant, you could pay to have your wife come and visit, and you can pay to make more babies while you're you're imprisoned in the tower. You can do that, yes, oh, apparently really so. Are. And sounds
2: uh, <laughs> Rich folk um, in the tower,
3: get all you want. So the way he was held wasn't how we see it on the TV programs. That it was like this dark, dingy dungeon, and he often threw parties, and his parties were very well known around the tower and he ended up getting a bit of a name for himself throwing all of these wild parties and there was one night where he threw said party and all of the king's guards had decided to join him um, every single one
2: (laughs) pretty much i think it was it was
3: pretty much every single one and um he got them all so drunk that he just again walked straight out of the tower to freedom just like that piece of cake
2: now megan In those two stories you've just told us, you mentioned Beefeaters and Queen's Guards that are now King's Guards. And we should probably differentiate between the two because there's an important distinction there, isn't there?
3: Yes, yes. This has been a tricky conversation with me having written my book. Um, It's Falling Hard for the Royal Guard. And obviously people know me from TikTok as having my dad as a Beefeater, who is by all accounts a royal guard but not sure. a king's guard which is what the book is about so it's a romance novel right. about a man in a bearskin hat right. so i have to i've had very many awkward conversations of people going have you written a romance novel about your
2: dad i'm like "Oh <laughs> no
3: so i i've made hey, it hey royalty yeah. incest
2: <laughs> The Queen and Philip were half cousins, weren't they or something? It's all there.
3: (laughs) I just absolutely want to clarify, it is not a romance (laughs) novel about my dad. So not interested anymore.
2: Not interested.
3: A beef eater and a kingsguard are very different. They are very
2: different. But let's so let's just say exactly what the differences are.
3: So a Beefeater is the King's ceremonial bodyguard, the Keepers of the Crown Jewels and the Wardens of the Tower of London. They have to be veterans of the military. So they're all men and women of a certain age. They've done at least 22 years military service. They have to have at least the rank of Warrant Officer Class 2 or equivalent. And yeah, and then they have to have the Long Service and Good Conduct Medal. So they're all veterans of the military. So it doesn't matter what what branch of the military they've been in. They're Marines, they're RAS their Navy, Army, all of them. So yeah, they're all veterans and yeah, uh, and all the, the age of my dad. <laughs> yes, they
2: are older blokes. They are, In Game of Thrones, they're the blokes who are in the courtyard teaching all the young kids yeah. sword fighting and stuff. they right, right, come on in, young lord. I'll saw you over here, don't you worry, mate. They're those guys. And veterans is the key difference because the Kingsguard are current serving members of the military.
3: Yeah, so they're active duty soldiers, but they're all... That's a better all... way of saying what I just said.
2: That is a much more...
3: <laughs> so, yeah, a lot of people think that they're just random people off the streets that are, that this is the only job they do, but they're... But,
2: but look, people think it's a costume as well. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. They think I'm... it's like
2: a bloody mascot, like Mickey Mouse and Goofy and Pluto. Instead. Yeah, it's like, honestly,
3: it drives me it's, and It's, it's really offensive.
2: It's really genuinely offensive. For yeah. military background kid, it's like...
3: This is yeah. why I do do my videos as well because they're they're in the infantry, so they're they're foot soldiers in the household divisions. They're in the British Army, so they are frontline soldiers. So if we were to go into kind of active combat right now, they would be the people on the front line. They're the first people to be sent. So they they do the. Um, the Kingsguard stuff for either the first year or two years of their service. So they come straight out of training. They're all young, fresh and ready to work. It's quite (laughs) yeah.
2: Young, (laughs) fresh, ready for action. Right, stand here and shut up for two hours at a time. It's a bit of a raw (laughs) deal, actually.
3: Yeah, so uh, they, they work hard, play hard, I think, in London. So, yeah, they're all young guys in the military oh and women now actually in Mm -hmm. the military who have just started their military career and then once they've done those two or so years in the ceremonial stuff they then move on to their battalion and they then take on more active roles rather than the ceremonial side of things so yeah There's a big difference to to people that know the difference. There's a massive difference. But yeah, so they're not beef eaters. And this is something that my biggest pet peeve is people calling the Kingsguard beef eaters. So the guys that are wearing the bearskin hats with the red tunics are Kingsguards. And the beef eaters are the older generation who are wearing the Tudor bonnet and the the tights. The ones (laughs) that you see on the front of
2: the gym. Yes, yes. That you cry over. (laughs) (laughs) We've spoken a lot about the human entities that exist inside the tower walls, but lots of people don't even know that it was a menagerie for a long time. It's had loads of animals there. Elephants. There's a ghost bear. (laughs) You must know about the ghost bear.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. I I mean, I don't know how much you believe that.
3: (laughs) I try not to. With those stories, they freak me out a little bit too much, so I just pretend that they're not there. Mm
2: -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. The ravens are obviously the most famous Mm. animal to exist in the tower. Firstly, we should get the legend of the ravens and why they're there. The legend of the ravens is that there has to be six or seven. I, I think can't it's remember. six. Is it six? Yeah. There has to be more than six ravens on site at the tower at any given point. If there are less than six, then the monarchy falls and the kingdom crumbles. And so they've got quite a few ravens there just in yeah, case anyone, just in any of case. Them die. <laughs> <laughs> the, the battle was um, Melinda, the head raven.
3: Yes. Yeah. She was the... Everybody knew her best because... And I, I don't want to speak ill of the dead, but she was a big asshole. Like, she was the <laughs> one that was, like, going around and stealing things and she'd never go back into the cage yeah. at night time. Like, she ran the tower yeah. she, there was she a had her point. own
2: separate box to yeah. stay in because she was a bully yeah, yeah this yeah. is the thing she was the she was the queen of the tower she honestly she really was I got in trouble um, for stealing a pretend raven I had to do a photo shoot for a tour show and I had no ideas of what to do for it so I was like trying to desperately run around the tower at my house looking for like props and stuff I'd already gone to the Royal Opera House prop department and got four mannequins. So my car was already full of these four wooden mannequins. And then I went down to um, the bottom of Queen's House at the time. And there's like this room, which I very rarely go go in. And there was a glass box with this full scale Raven model in. I was like, oh, I'll just grab that. (laughs) Took it out of the box, stuck it in the car. And I was driving out of the tower and Roxy, head of events, so she saw me driving through and she's like, oh, hi, Tom. Oh, you've got some mannequins here. Oh, look at that. Oh, that's interesting. And I kept driving out the tower. Then 20 minutes later, I get this phone call from her going, Tom, this is going to sound mad. But a historian's just taken a tour group around the museum that's in the bottom of your house. They've got to the Raven exhibition and the oldest sculpture of the Raven, which is 200 years old, <gasps> is missing. Now, you wouldn't possibly... Nowhere, I was like yeah it's in my car it's in my car I've got it here oh my god I'm so sorry she's like Tom it's covered in arsenic I was like okay so I was there just in my little car driving around London with four mannequins and an arsenic raven she's like they are literally about to phone the police because someone thinks it's been stolen I was like I'm going to turn around immediately <laughs> So I completely sacked off the photo shoot and had to return this Raven, which then had to be. I don't know if you've ever had the running with the historians, but they are. Those guys do not mess around when it comes to damaging the tower.
3: No, because you were. Quite lucky, but unlucky in the in the place that you lived. Whereas everybody gets disappointed when they come to my house because it just looks like a uh, a general grey rental that's just got a few uh, few too many stairs and a few arrow slits. So I think the oldest thing in my house is probably my dad. So <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> he's going to really hate me for saying that. <laughs>
2: Over the course of this season, I'll be chatting to loads of lucky buggers who have managed to blag their way into various ridiculous living situations, but lots of you listeners were so excited to hear me and Megan getting together for a chat, you had a few questions of your own. So firstly, how fast is Wi-Fi in the tower? Ugh. Ugh. Yeah, I know. You can tell from my grunts.
3: I, Yeah. Why William the Conqueror didn't build it more with uh, Wi-Fi in mind, I do not know. My house is over four floors (laughs) and it's in a very, very thick wall. So my Wi-Fi box is in my bedroom and it doesn't reach beyond there.
2: It's really quite bad, isn't it? Not great. (laughs) (laughs) What's the stupidest thing a tourist has ever said to you?
3: Not, not to me necessarily, because a lot of them are like, "Just can you take a picture of me with your father, please?" But the beef eaters, oh, my dad comes home and he tells me the most wild stories. They've got a book,
2: haven't they? The yeah, beef eaters, yeah, they've so, got a whole book of <laughs> stupid questions. Yeah, stupid questions the tourists have said. Yeah. yeah,
3: and they get it out for the dinner parties and we laugh at everybody. But there was one one tourist that asked. Which one is Tower Bridge? And so the beefeater was like, the bridge with the towers on it. And then they proceeded to ask, does it go the whole way across the river? And and he was like, yeah, yeah, it does. It's a bridge. (laughs) It's a bridge. Then so many people ask all the time, why did they build it under a flight path? because the yeah. planes are going all the, over all the time. And it's like... Oh, there's, a,
2: oh, there's also yeah. like, oh, it's really good that they built it right next to the tube station. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's like,
3: <laughs> I mean, in 1078, when the building began, yeah, yeah the, the circle and district line was rattling oh. through right then in 1078. But
2: of course, we, in, we love Americans to come.
3: <laughs> and You're glad the one that we're... mentioned they're American. I mean. But they quite clearly are. Let's not
2: mess around. We yeah. know they're
3: American. Mm. A lot of the beef eaters often get asked as well, do you work here? And obviously, if you've ever seen a Beefeater's uniform, there is only one place in the world that they could possibly work. Sure,
2: yeah. No, no <laughs> we're just a really elaborate stag do. <laughs> yes. We've really gone all out on this one. <laughs> <laughs> what is the sound like? Is it quiet? My favourite um, noise actually comes at the Ceremony of the Keys. The Ceremony of the Keys is... We should explain a bit what the Ceremony of the Keys is. It's basically the. It's the longest-running ceremony... In British history?
3: Yeah, so it's the longest running military ceremony of its kind in the whole world. It's been on for like over 700 years and they do the exact same thing, exact same time.
2: And it's happened every single day... Apart from one day it was late by 15 minutes during World War II because the place got bombed.
3: Yeah, so I I think it was only seven minutes. Was it seven
2: minutes? So the
3: the ceremony is like the guards form an escort to the chief yeoman warder and another yeoman warder on watch and they go and do the ceremonial locking up of the tower. So that's the ceremony
2: of the keys. But but the, uh, the, the final pièce de résistance of the ceremony is this bugle player that you can all... Listen to, mm-hmm. and he's playing... I know we're going to... The final post, last post. The last post, Last yeah. post. And he plays it as the bell is stri- striking 10 o'clock, and it's all a very eerie silence, and this one bugle player is playing the last post out into the night. Now, sometimes it is the most majestic, wonderful... Very poignant moment. Very poignant yeah, moment. Yeah. But it has to be said, it's not always a professional musician who plays the tune.
3: There's a varying degree of skill (laughs) uh, and and a lot of the times so there are some regiments so obviously the people that perform the ceremony of the keys are the guards so they're like Scots guards, Welsh guards, Irish, Coldstream, Mm. Grenadiers. Some of them have a specific bugle player and most of them And I know from, because my boyfriend's in the Scots Guards, the Scots Guardsmen, they are bagpipers or drummers. And playing the bagpipes or playing the drums is vastly different to playing a very, very poignant song on a
2: bugle. Under high pressure as well. And there are some points
3: where they are literally, they thrust the bugle in somebody's hand and say, you're
2: playing it. (laughs) The standard line is, all the notes are there, just not necessarily in the right order. Yeah,
3: yeah. It's it's very interesting. And I, it's, like, if you don't know so the last funny.
2: post... I have really <laughs> lost my composure to it. Because yeah. also a bugles such a bad instrument to get the notes wrong. Yeah, right? you can tell.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's always the <laughs> final one.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, that final. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
3: <laughs> That's actually pretty...
2: Do you know what? Awesome
1: battle, is it? Yeah.
2: They need to just scrap the bugler and get you on the balcony. That's <laughs> it. I've <me> yeah. <laughs> just listened to it so many times. I think I, I get... But
3: this is the thing, like, they start off really strong <laughs> and then you know that they, they falter midway through and they're like, I'm running out of breath. I'm oh, yeah. really, like, I'm really scared. And then you just get this, like, really flat yeah, bit at the end. Yeah, exactly.
2: Because it's like, as soon as one note goes wrong... Yeah, it's, they all, it's, it's yeah. you can put, yeah. I, I mean, I feel nothing but respect for standing oh, up to yeah. doing it and amazing. well done, but also it's very funny. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. To sign off, just quickly, besides the Tower of London, where else, stately home, manor house, castle, do you? enjoy visiting the most what's your favourite one because we've got a long podcast to get through
3: <laughs> it's got to be Chatsworth House in Derbyshire I'm a massive fan of Pride and Prejudice and mm-hmm. that was where Pemberley was filmed in the 2005 film and I may or may not have spent my 17th birthday uh, perambulating around uh, Chatsworth House pretending to be Elizabeth Bennet so that, <laughs> that definitely has to be up
2: there it's no just, wait me God. too I can't believe we are so similar <laughs> If you could go back to any period of history, what period would you go to and why?
3: Oh, oh, I don't know. I feel like I have to say Tudors because of the place I live. I just love to see the Tower in its prime in the kind of what it's most famous for. But in terms of kind of culture, it'd have to be the Regency, but only if I was going back in time as somebody that was very wealthy.
2: Sure. (laughs) Yeah.
3: So the Tudors or the Regency era, I definitely... (laughs)
2: and finally why do you think people should come to the tower of london
3: i think because there is not a single other place on earth where you can walk inside history that is still ongoing i think that is the most amazing thing about the tower is it's not frozen in time and i think there are very few places in the world where the same things have been taking place for almost a thousand years so it's yeah just living and breathing history and it's um yeah, seeing the epicentre of British culture in a way it's Yeah, it's amazing. There, there
2: really is no other place that has it just to the scale and extent. Yeah, and it's
3: it's in, it's absolutely insane to think that I walk in the same footsteps as Henry VIII and, and everything like that on a daily basis like it is just a position in the world that money can't buy and it's perhaps one of the only experiences left in the world that money can't buy if you were a billionaire and you turned up at the gate and you said give me a house in the Tower of London you'd be turned away and you'd be laughed at yeah such a unique place
2: it really is and if you want to follow more stuff on the Tower then you can get Megan on her socials TikTok and Instagram and also go and buy her books yes please one of which (laughs) which is out one of which is about to be out yeah, and a third one of which, hold this space. <laughs> <laughs> Megan, thanks so much for coming on.
3: No, thank you so much for having me. It's it's nice to see you again. It's as really well. good to see you. Yeah? Yeah. It's nice to catch up. Ghost I'm, of the Tower. I am.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, that sound signals the end of our first episode. Time for the ceremony of the microphones, a tradition that dates back to literally seconds ago when I just invented it as we lock up the studio with our unnecessarily massive keys, I'd just like to say a thank you for listening. And if you enjoyed the episode, Megan and I will continue our chat later on in the series. But more imminently, make sure you follow us into next week's episode, where we'll be at Sunsbury Hall, a terrifying ghost-ridden house where we'll be hearing all about the legends of its past, from baby-eating witches to some shocking medieval bestiality. Plus, I eat a really delicious chicken chorizo sandwich. Until next time, respect the guards, avoid the ravens, and mind your manners. Thanks for listening to Bad Manners. If you like the pod, please share it with your friends. Rate it on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a review and make sure you spill the tea on any of your favourite bad manners that we could feature in future episodes. This podcast was produced by Atomize Studios for iHeartRadio. It was hosted by me, Tom Horton... It was produced by Willa Malensky, Rebecca Rappaport and Chris Attaway. It was executive produced by Faye Stewart and Zad Rogers. Our production manager is Caitlin Paramore and our production coordinator is Bella Cellini.
0: important information.